Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with We Go grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at We Go since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I talk with the class of 2016's Navy Lieutenant Nayeli Lara, instructor at the Navy's Nuclear Propulsion Program. Lieutenant Lara will share with us how her love of math and her success in the WeGo science courses and her sense of adventure led her to the University of Illinois' prestigious engineering program to now working with the technology that fuels the Navy's fleet of submarines and aircraft carriers. Joining us from the class of 2016 is Nayeli Lara. Nayeli, what do you do? Uh, hi, so I'm currently a lieutenant in the United States Navy's uh, nuclear propulsion program. So I'm working in Charleston, South Carolina as an um, instructor for our nuclear power training unit. Wow. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. When did you kind of get a sense that you had an aptitude for all things physics? Because this sounds impressive. Yeah. So um, I've always just really liked math and science growing up. Um, and then in high school, I was really blessed. I took AP chemistry with Ms. Hollinger. I took AP physics uh, twice with um, Mr. Beal. And then um, I really liked it. I also took all the AP maths as well, BC. And I really liked it. So when it came time to applying for uh, college, I started looking at you know, all the, the different engineering majors. And I was really lucky that my brother, uh, who was a class of 2014, was at the University of Illinois studying electrical engineering. So he kind of paved the way for me to like move towards that direction. And I ended up choosing my major as nuclear engineering at the University of Illinois as well. So when you first make the decision to go to uh u of i um what's do you do you have is it a general school of engineering or how how soon do you have to kind of declare your particular field uh of engineering at at u of i so i chose my major right away as i was applying uh, but they do have like a general uh program that you can choose um so yeah i chose that another reason that i really was excited uh to do nuclear engineering is uh, a lot of people don't know this, but West Chicago is actually like considered one of the EPA's most uh, radioactive places in America. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Kerr-McGee, the parking lot right outside of school, but you know, as a kid, you like hear about it and you know, you can't hang out in Kerr-McGee. And then in high school, I started learning about how it used to be uh, covered in thorium millings that were radioactive. And it actually finally just got cleaned up in 2015. So I was kind of, you know, a little bit aware of that. And I thought that would be like something kind of cool to like study more of in college. 
It's so cool that like you know not cool that that happened to our community, but like that that then became what uh, inspired you to find that particular field. So tell me about the coursework of U of I. I mean, ever since when I was <laughs> heading off to college many many uh, moons ago, U of I has always been heralded as a top tier engineering uh, program. Uh, what was your experience like there uh, once you hit the ground running? Yeah, it was uh, it was actually a really great uh, four years. So um, I graduated high school and I actually got accepted into a program that they run over the summer. So I started college about two weeks after I graduated high school. Um, I think there was at least one other kid from our school that got accepted into the program. And so we, we showed up and we started doing like really basic engineering courses uh, just to get us like a foot in the door. And we got to meet a lot of the professors and tour the campus. So I stayed there for the summer. And then once I officially started my freshman year, you know, I took a lot of basic gen eds and stuff, um, a few introductory nuclear engineering courses, uh, usually uh, I think about sophomore years when I started taking the really like intense engineering courses. And those were really cool. Um, I got to meet great professors from around the world and uh, I really learned a lot. Um, the, yeah. So like when, when you say intense uh, engineering courses, like what, what, what does that adjective mean to us mortals <laughs> when it comes to that? Yeah. So um, the one that I always think of, uh, I think my junior year I took uh, neutron transport and diffusion which is basically a class where um, you model how neutrons react or work in a, a nuclear core so um, really basically right you have a core made of uranium and you have uh, different reactions that occur because of the uranium um, causing neutrons to come out of the core and that's going to heat up the core and you take all that energy inside of this nuclear reactor and you use it to boil water and the water turns a steam engine and that's how you get electricity out of it. Um, So you have to understand how all those reactions happen in the core. So we would do these crazy long equations. It would take me like we would for homework, we would get like, five or six homework problems where it was just math and I would get a blank sheet of computer paper. I would turn it landscape and I would just write equations that spanned across the entire page. And then I would flip the page and keep going, trying to solve these uh, differential equations to sort of map how the neutrons would uh, behave inside of the core. So obviously as an English teacher, uh, this is a, area of my brain that has no no frame of reference so i'm super interested in that way in which you're able to kind of continue to solve a problem in real time as you're you're working through this equation as you're working through the equation so for example one of these problems would take you how long one homework problem would probably take me an hour or two Okay, so so it's going to take you an hour to, and and that would be how many sheafs of of paper to get through that one problem. Well, I was I was very particular because I always liked my my 
homework that I turned in to look very neat. So I would write it and then uh, sloppily, I guess, and then I would rewrite it on a nicer sheet of paper and that would help me understand it more just going through it again. Um, but yeah, uh, to me, sometimes it just felt like a puzzle. I knew what I, the, like the initial conditions I started with and I had an idea of what I was supposed to end up with. And then I would just sit down and try to make it work. So just so I can understand better, like as you're working through, let's say you're 20 minutes in, how do you know that you're on the right path to test against it? Because it's not like 2x equals 4, like like you're like you're there's so deep into the equation. When do you know, like, wait a second, I went down the wrong rabbit hole in this pursuit. I need to back up and then maybe I have to back up some more. What's the thought process uh, and the cognition of that? Oh yeah, that definitely happened. Um, so a lot of it, um, it was like multivariable or like, there's like a lot of different um, functions inside of the equation. So it would be like a lot of sines and cosines and you would expect some of them to cancel out and some of them to add up together. Um, and obviously like at this point I had already taken all the, uh, the math classes that gave me the knowledge to even begin to approach like a question like this, where you're actually taking, you know, the background and the mathematics and applying it to how something actually works. So you kind of start seeing the patterns. The questions would be similar, but they would just throw in like a few different things every once in a while that would change how they were supposed to look. So you get used to the pattern and you start to figure it out that way. But I, I like how you said that it's a, it's like a puzzle. Right. And then there's such a gratification once you get to the final and you test it. And my goodness, it works. That's such got to be so, so incredibly uh, gratifying. Now, as you were working. OK, so you're, you're taking uh, the classes. You know, that's what the intense class uh, would look like. Did you have any um, internships or in that would take you uh, away from U of I? Like what or, or did you do any like a, a type of study abroad while you were there as well? Yeah. So um, my. After my freshman year, and I guess during my freshman year, I was working at um, a lab on on campus. It was the Center for Plasma Fusion Materials, or actually it was the Center for Plasma Material Interactions, so CPMI. Um, and I was working under a graduate student um, at the time. His name was Stephen Stemley. I'm sure he's probably a doctorate by now. Um, and he was working on a project called Collins, which was, uh, that stands for the compact liquid lithium neutron source. Um, so he was a genius. I was just his research assistant, but um, the goal of that project was to uh, see if we could create like metals that flowed under a magnetic um, flux. Um, so that was really cool. I learned a lot. Um, that's uh, at U of I, there's like different coursework that you take in the nuclear engineering program. So you can do um, fusion science, nuclear power, or like radiological health sciences. So I was kind of testing out the fusion science when I, I was doing that, but I ended up going more down the, the nuclear power side. So while I really enjoyed my time there, um, my next summer after that, I decided to try, uh, or I, I guess I got lucky enough to be given an internship at Exelon, which, um, you know, in Illinois, they own six nuclear power plants. And if you pay a bill to ComEd, um, it's pretty likely that some of that energy is coming from an Exelon nuclear power plant. So that's what I did my next summer. 
Um, that was at uh, Braidwood Generating Station, about an hour south of West Chicago. So for an entire summer, I would drive down there, and I was working as a uh, radiation protection intern. Wow! Wow! Now, the just as a, I'm always curious. Like, did did the internships? find you or how, or did you have to do a little legwork to kind of secure that? So, um, the lab, uh, when I started working there, I basically just talked to the professor and I said, Hey, um, I'm really interested in, you know, learning more. Um, could I work for you? And he's a very involved professor. So, uh, he gave me an opportunity to start, you know, hanging out in his lab. And eventually he gave me a job through the University of Illinois. So that was good. And I would work part-time in between classes whenever I could stop by. And then the internship, that that actually took a lot of work. Um, Exelon is a huge supporter of the nuclear engineering program at the University of Illinois. So they're around and they're recruiting. But um, I think I, I got really lucky. Um, I had to definitely work really hard. My grades had to be pretty good. And honestly, I really, um, I want to pay a lot of tribute to all the people that helped me get there because, um, you know, I say all these things about how college was, you know, hard and stuff, uh, like all these classes I took, but it is really difficult to show up to the University of Illinois um, and be, you know, feel like you're sort of in a new environment um, so as like a Hispanic woman, like I sometimes felt really alone when I was in college. Um, so I actually ended up getting my internship for Exelon by going to, uh, a ship convention and ship is the society of, uh, Hispanic professional engineers. Um, so I met with a university of Illinois alum, um, who works at Exelon, who was also Hispanic, and he sort of gave me that networking that I needed to get that internship. That is so, I mean, that's so important to establish and be aware of the networking uh, possibilities. Now, are, do you still participate with that organization? Um, I try to. I haven't really had the chance. Um, I'm, I'm still like a member. Um, it's a little difficult because uh, it's the way that they work is they have like chapters. So like your university would have a chapter or your uh, employer would have a chapter. So when I had an internship at other places and they had a ship chapter, I would join. Um, but the Navy is sort of, we, we don't really promote um, groups like that. So I haven't really had a chance to be involved the way I would like to. Now, so you at this particular point in your schooling at, at U of I, you 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 were talking about how you had to establish a, a type of competency in the math, then the math as it applies to the physics. At some point, you you get to to be in the lab and work with the technology. Do you remember what was some of your favorite types of technology that you were working with that you're like, oh yes, I made the right choice. Like this is really fun. Yeah. So. Um... At the lab, every year we have like the engineering open house. Uh, so since it was a fusion lab, a lot of the ways that you do fusion is that you have to basically create it in a vacuum. So they had these like really cool like demonstrations that they would do where you 
create a vacuum inside of a chamber and like you could you know see a plasma forming and it was basically like you know forming lightning in like a chamber that you can you know the size of maybe like um a microwave and it was just really cool um and then you know once i started working at an actual nuclear power plant at braidwood i got to see braidwood i did a little bit of work at clinton which is also in illinois um just every day walking up to you know these giant buildings um these containment structures and inside you know there's all of these systems it you walk into a, a nuclear power plant and you see how everything interacts with each other and it's breathtaking honestly uh these the way that mankind could have ever built something that works the way it does to to graduate did you have to have like a a thesis or some type of like capstone um activity to uh to get the degree uh yeah so uh senior year we had our senior design project so i worked with uh two of my classmates um you know like i said my brother's an electrical engineering major so for his senior design he got to do something really cool so he created like a portable uh laser tag game um but you can't really create your own nuclear reactor as a as a nuclear engineering major so it was it was mostly like a, a random. That's probably frowned. That's probably frowned upon. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could have done something as cool as that. So I always think my brother got a great opportunity. Um, but we we worked with uh, Bechtel Corporation, which is um, they uh, are really big into constructing nuclear plants. So they were helping us and providing mentorship, and uh, we we created a, a project where we were sort of analyzing how much energy you could store in a molten liquid. Uh, so like thermal energy that you could store in a molten liquid during off hour energy demand. So like if you think about it, um, a nuclear power plant is always operating at 100% output. So we can't really ever downpower how much electricity we're sending to the grid, but you need more power um, as a you know as a society at you know lunchtime, in the morning when people are getting ready for work, um, you know, at dinner time when everyone has all their lights on and stuff, but at, you know, 2 a.m. when everyone's asleep, you don't really need as much energy going out to the grid. So uh, sometimes nuclear power plants aren't very profitable. So we were trying to think of a way to sort of uh, alleviate that issue by channeling some of the heat input from the nuclear power plant into different types of materials. And then you could take that heat back later when you needed it more. That is so fascinating. So I wonder if, does that become part of like the, the, the inquiry about how to uh, find kind of, because when you're looking at the types of energy demands that are certainly only going to become more profound uh, as we have more and more um, technology and, and more and more people and all that. Do you, do you see that the uh, the challenges is going to be more about production or storage or distribution, or is it some type of combination of all three? Like what's the biggest, if you were to put more intellectual bandwidth into one of those, uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge to meet maybe the energy needs uh, that you saw when you were doing your studies? So I think it's definitely going to be a mixture of all three. So obviously as a, a nuclear engineering major, I'm, I'm very biased. I think it'd be 
you know, in an ideal world, we can meet everyone's energy demand by just building more nuclear power plants. But, um, you know, a lot of people don't like the idea of having a nuclear reactor near them and there are billions of dollars to create. So it's not super obtainable, at least with our current policies and everything. Um, and then we're, we're really making great strides with our, uh, you know, renewable energies like wind and solar. So then it really does come down to um, battery capabilities of how we can, you know, on off hour times uh, store all of the energy and our grid. Our grid definitely needs a big update. So, um, you know, my brother is working um, in transmission right now. So he like designs power stations. Uh, so, you know, he has more experience with how the grid works. You should have him on the show, actually. Um, I, 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 I was literally just writing down <laughs> yeah. his, how to like uh, double check, get his email. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, our grid, a storm can knock it out, you know, all sorts of things can go wrong with it. We definitely need uh, a lot of updates with that. When I was going through college, there was a lot of talk about like the smart grid where it would be like sort of like an internet of things, everything is connected kind of thing. But there's a lot of like, you know, cybersecurity issues that come into that. So, yeah, sure. that's out of my, my um, wheelhouse. Yeah. No, but that's, that's, that's interesting just to kind of hear your, your, your take. Cause certainly you were uh, privy to kind of seeing the, how, uh, what the, the challenges are kind of moving forward with that. So, Okay, so exciting. You graduate uh, from U of I. Then what's what was the next uh, step for you? So um, I uh, so I did the internship with Exelon. I worked at the lab. I had another internship with the uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission. So I got to see, you know, academia. I got to see industry. And at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, I, I got to see, like, you know, the government side of things where we make sure everything's safe. Um, but, you know, uh, I really just wanted to challenge myself and, and do something that maybe was a little bit out there. So, um, I, I knew that the Navy had a really big nuclear program and, um, I actually joined the Navy my sophomore year of college, um, as I was, you know, sort of navigating through all these other internships, they have this program called NUPOC which stands for the uh, Nuclear Propulsion Officer Candidate Program. So that gives college students a chance to um, join the Navy and stay a college student. So it's very different than going to like the Naval Academy or ROTC. Um, so you join the Navy, finish out your degree, and then you have a commitment that you pay back as a nuclear officer in the Navy. So I became aware of that program when the Navy was recruiting at my school and I reached out to the recruiter and I went through the process of applying for it, which was very rigorous. So we do, you know, they, they check you, make sure your, your grades are good and everything. And then you do uh, a technical interview over the phone where you talk to uh, Naval, um, nuclear engineers basically, and they'll give you um, pretty basic math and science questions just to see what your thought process is. And if you pass that, they will send you to Washington, D.C., where you do two in-person technical interviews with uh, naval reactors, which is um, basically like 
all the engineers in charge of the nuclear uh, program for the Navy. And then if you do well on those interviews, you get to interview with Admiral Caldwell, who is the uh, head of the Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program. When, when you say you, you traveled to Washington, D.C. for uh, that, I guess, was it like a simulation uh, in that assessment? They say, okay, here's the problem, and then they watch how you solve the issue? Is that kind of how that worked, or what was that um, dynamic? Yeah, like? so um, it was very uh, very conceptual problem. So some of the ones that they asked me were, um, like, you have a – a spring and a weight at the end of the spring and there's no gravity and the spring is bouncing the weight. Like how would you expect the force on the weight to look at different cycles of the spring or, um, they try to really throw you questions that, you know, make you think in weird ways. So, um, another one was the, my second interview, the, um, the engineer handed me a little paper cup and he said, can you find how much water volume would fit in this cup? And then that led into a discussion on water density, which led into a discussion on um, water inside of a nuclear core and how density affects how your core reacts. Because it, it's interesting that it's like a it's a, a heuristic, right? Where it's like, okay, I want to watch how you solve the problem. And it seems like they're not only seeing that you arrive at the right answer, but they're also looking at how they you modeled your particular uh, process and cognition uh, along the way uh, as well. I think that's so it's such a neat idea. Yeah, it was really cool. I was really nervous for it. And, uh, you know, they prepare you a lot. You spend three days in DC for, for that. So um, I remember... I flew out in April of 2018 and I arrived back May of 2018. And like the next day I had a final for one of my uh, engineering classes. I sat down for the final. I'm like, Oh my goodness, I haven't thought about this class. Like my, my head is filled with all these other crazy questions that I was just studying. (laughs) But yeah. That is so, that is so cool. Okay. So, um, so then you, then you, once you graduate, how much time is it between graduation and then actually then getting into uh, the program? I mean, did you have to go to the Naval Academy to go through um, various different officer training for that? Or what, what was the, the, the next stage? Yeah, of that? so um, I, I was in the Navy for two years in college. And then as soon as I graduated, I officially commissioned as a Naval officer. And then they sent me to Officer Development School, which is a five-week program in Rhode Island. And at this point, COVID was in full swing, right? I actually didn't get the last, like, semester of college officially. I was, you know, online university for that. Um, So we were dealing with COVID a little bit. Um, Officer Development was pretty cool, though. It was just, like, a pretty crash course kind of attempt at teaching you what it's like to be in the Navy. And then... After that, I got sent to Charleston, uh, where I started my six months of nuclear power school. 
how intense then is that? Like, so if, if you're going to maybe compare like what you do at U of I, then compared to like your, your training there, uh, are they, what's, are they, are they similar or equally intense? Uh, what's, what's the, uh, how would you describe that? Yeah. So nuclear power school is definitely, uh, way different than college college. You, you know, you have class twice or thrice a week. You kind of, you know, take your notes, do your homework, live your own life on the, on the other hours that you have for the day. Um, and it's, I mean, college was really difficult. I, I actually did struggle a lot with college, just with a lot of things. I definitely poured a lot of effort into maintaining the grades that I had. Um, but then you show up to nuclear power school and it's almost like high school. You, you sit in your desk eight hours, a, eight, eight hours a day, five days a week. And you have, different instructors will come in for like their hour of school. So like we would have math, uh, thermodynamics, uh, physics, and then it would get more and more intense classes related to nuclear um, energy and more specifically also the operations of how the submarine works. Um, And it was, you know, the way people always describe it is drinking from a fire hose. They would just for one hour throw you a bunch of information. We would have our packet of notes to follow along and we had an exam every week basically. So we would get, you know, five hours of instruction in a certain class, about, you know, a hundred pages of notes, dense, you know, very theoretical notes, and then take our exam. (laughs) Uh, Now, because you love it, did it feel like work or did it feel like this is pretty intense? <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to like, because I, I could probably like at this stage of the game, I would probably like, well, if we're talking about Gatsby, I could probably hang with a, you know, an hour lecture and you know, do that. But like, um, you know, does it, is it still, uh, is there any difference between like something that you, A, it's your love and your aptitude, but even then does it get like, feel like. Yeah, work? I mean, I, I definitely did enjoy it more than other people. And it was maybe you know, I was more familiar with the, uh, some of the material. So like, you know, naval officers in the nuclear uh, propulsion program don't all need nuclear engineering degrees. So some people were showing up with history degrees, poli sci degrees, and they, they don't have no idea what the neutron is. So <laughs> for them, it might've been a little bit more difficult, right? Not everyone makes it through the program. Unfortunately, I did about maybe Shocking that the history major doesn't make it. He did actually really well. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. But uh, strike that from the record. (laughs) But yeah, I I did enjoy it. I think it was, you know, a really great way to challenge myself. So you know, I I joined the Navy for you know maybe like a greater purpose or something that would you know not keep me so complacent, and I I was definitely getting that. So that was great. now, do you, so the, with the propulsion, does this mean that, so it, it, is this primarily focused on submarines or is this also uh, for the aircraft carriers or, or any other um, uh, ship uh, in the Navy? Yeah, so it's aircraft carriers and submarines um, are mostly powered through uh, nuclear reactors for their propulsion. Um, the program is for both. So we do have some surface sailors, um, I'd say maybe mostly submarine sailors, Um but, um, yeah, I, I focus more on the submarine side just because nuclear power school was, uh, basically where you learn 
you know, the basics. And then now I'm at nuclear power training unit where we actually have a more training ship, which is a decommissioned submarine that's been, uh, it has a new, uh, you know, new features and stuff for student training. And I work on that more training ship every day now. Oh, wow. So like, so I was going to, I guess that was going to be my next question is like, you know, how much will you be spending in the submarine and how much hands-on will it, your, your job be? <laughs> I spent a lot of time on that submarine. Um, so we have currently three more training ships on site. So each of those has a real nuclear reactor in it. So they're manned 24, seven, 365 days a year. So the way it works is we have a basically a rotating shift schedule. So right now I'm working um, basically uh, from about 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. And then you do that for seven days. You take about two days break, and then I'll start working from um, 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. And you kind of just keep switching your schedule every seven days to support making sure that the more training ship is always manned. Wow. That's a, uh, how, how do you, uh, adjust to such a, uh, an intense sleep schedule like that? I mean, I, I, if I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm out by seven <laughs> o'clock at night. How do you, how are, how are you able to uh, manage uh, your sleep? Uh, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. I remember when I was at WeGo, I would tell the, the teachers if I ever had a job where I had to wake up before 7am, I was going to quit. Now look where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was, it was way harder as a student actually. So when you're staff, you only work about, um, maybe 70 hours a week, which already sounds horrible. But when you're a student and you're pulling seven days in a row, 12 hour shifts, that's, that was hard. Um, but now I have a little bit more time. Uh, I'm not so focused on my own student training. I just, you know, I, I support the students and my big goal, right, is, uh, I really want to you know, learn more about nuclear power and everything. But um, overall, I'm there every day to make sure that my students are successful in their career. So uh, I don't have to teach students nuclear propulsion, uh, but I I would like to know uh, what are some of your uh, better insights on instruction and teaching? Because I, I, I'm always looking for better uh, tricks as well. What have, you, what have you learned that has the best uh, return on investment with your students and in, in your, uh, your instruction? Yeah, so I'm still learning. Um, that's, that's really my biggest takeaway is that every day I learn something new about how the plant operates. It is a very complex machine and, and no one knows everything. I think some people, you know, once they get that sort of leadership instructor position, it's very easy to just turn their back on the days when they were a student and didn't know everything. So I really, when, you know, I have my students and I'm explaining something to them, I think back to two weeks ago where I didn't know what I'm about to tell them. So it's just like, you know, really putting it in terms where everyone can understand because very few people have a nuclear engineering degree in this program, but everyone needs to be able to understand how everything works so that we can safely operate. Um, the nuclear Navy has an extremely, you know, perfect record. We have, I think, millions of reactor hours of operation with no nuclear accidents. So that's what we strive for. 
is there anything about physics that still feels very enchanting to you? Because like you're at the, like to most people, what you do looks like magic, but you find the, the logic behind that. But I was wondering, what is it that feels almost still kind of enchanting to you as you ask these questions and pursue your hypotheses uh, with, with all of that? What still kind of excites you about yeah, physics? Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, two nights ago, I, I was the person in charge of starting up our reactor for the first time in a few months. It was shut down for maintenance. And, you know, as you're standing there in, in the control room, right, and you're the one directing all this action and in my mind, I just start picturing all these neutrons just whizzing around and creating all this energy. It, it's really amazing. And, um, you know, I actually, I think back on your class a lot, Mr. Turnbaugh, and all the things that we talked about. Um, and, you know, I think I really, when I, when I took your class, um, that was maybe one of the first um, places where I really started to think outside of science, right? And think in grander terms where, you know, literature and rhetoric and everything start playing into it. And, you know, these base human emotions of creation and everything where, you know, here we are sitting in a moored training ship making a nuclear reactor, you know, uh, start up. And what that means for like, you know, human nature and how we've been able to harness all this power and create something like I think that's really amazing is you know let's take the science and the equations out of it but all that we've accomplished is really cool and the fact that I get to be even the smallest part of that is amazing to me imagining you standing there and 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 watching everything unfold I was like getting chills just thinking about what you were observing that must have been just so incredibly intense and by the way thank you so much for uh, the compliment there because I, I, I think that is important. I always do try to like make sure. I think that was if you, you probably remember. Actually, I'm going through this with my AP students now. Are those edge responses where you like this? These are the big questions. Work through them and see how that connects to kind of broader structures. So I'm, I'm, it's uh, it's that's nice that that had a, a lingering uh, effect in how you see things. That's that's great. Thank you. So where do you see yourself maybe in five, ten years? Like what where what's the next uh, stage of where you want to be uh, in in your learning and so um, uh, I'm in the Navy for the next three years, so that's basically set there. But then after that, um, I feel like I have the whole world in front of me. Um, I could go back to school. I could go back and work at a power plant, which, you know, I, I made a lot of great connections there. I'd be more than happy to do that, you know. Um, and then, like I said, I worked at the um, Nuclear Regulatory Commission that was in Washington, D.C. I really love living there. Um, so that's also an option. Uh, but really when I think about it, I think I'm going to do something crazy again. So <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> I already have this, you know, background in nuclear technology. Maybe I could go to med school and become like a radiologist or something like that. So I really feel like I could do anything. Uh, one thing I also like to ask too, is like, is there any like book or resource that you think like, you know, this kind of gives a sense of like, what's the most accessible book that you think for the person who's interested in 
physics or engineering or something that you like if if it would be like a book recommendation uh that uh, a student would would that you think that would really kind of hit home and kind of create that kind of um enchantment and 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 uh and all that what what is what would you recommend so i'm not sure that i can really recommend too many like books related to science in that way just because a lot of the ones i've read are I mean, textbooks, pretty dense stuff. Some of them are actually pretty entertaining. Um, but in terms of like, uh, you know, one of the books, I think I actually read it when I was in your class. Um, one of my favorite books is uh, A Sand County Almanac by Aldo Leopold. And it, it might not seem extremely hmm. related to it, but um, it's basically uh the musings of an environmentalist from the 1930s as he's um, in his uh, home in Wisconsin and he just writes about nature. And uh, to me, all the things that I do with physics and science is is sort of um, a link to nature. And I'm actually, you know, I, I really, that's something that I value. Um, my love of the natural world is sort of why I wanted to become a nuclear engineer is because I see it as a very um, reliable, safe, um, clean source of energy. So that book actually was, it. I carry it very, um, very close to my heart because it really shows that love and appreciation of nature in a very philosophical way. So, Nayeli, this is great, and uh, now I know that I'm going to have to maybe interview you in four years if I'm still doing this to see what you're doing. So that so that that'll be uh, exciting, um, Nayeli. When I close out the interview, I always like to ask uh, the person I'm interviewing, "What tips for success would you give current Wildcats?" I think obviously it's stuff like hard work, right? Um, I was also always really trying to be the best person that I could be, um, so. WeGo has a lot of great teachers. Make sure you utilize them. You know, take the time to get to know them and and listen to what they have to offer. Um, and then also is don't be afraid of setbacks. I've experienced a lot of setbacks in my career. Uh, we didn't talk about it too much, but um, there was like a, a medical situation that I was dealing with with the Navy because they have such exacting standards, and it basically took me away from my nuclear engineering path for a year and that that put me in like a really um you know I was I was struggling with that because this is something that I really love um but but don't be afraid of those setbacks because during that year where I was away from the program I learned a lot and I met a lot of great people and I feel like I really grew from that experience and I fought for getting my job back and it all worked out and now I'm doing what I love so not everything is something that's gonna um you know, take away from your success, but it might add to it. So always be, be positive about what the world throws at you. Well, Nayeli, thank you so much. This was so interesting and uh, really proud and excited of all the things that you've accomplished and will continue to do. So thank, thank you, you so Trimble. much. It's been so great. I know it's been, you know, a lot of work for you to get this podcast going. And I'm, I'm happy to finally be a part of it. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search We Go Vox. That's We Go V-O-X.
You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at We Go Places Podcast or on Twitter at We Go Places. <laughs>